Welcome to Timberline Windsor. Thanks for joining us this weekend. We are a church family that strives to let love live in every facet of our lives. We at Timberline Windsor desire everyone, every man, woman, and child that calls this church family home to be a part of Connections. To join one today, visit our website or download the Timberline app. Enjoy today's message. Well, hello. Great to see you. And I want to especially welcome Windsor, um, getting to be with you today. That's a privilege. And uh, we're going to have a great time. We're looking at uh, Mark chapter 9. We're going through the book of Mark verse by verse. And so you probably know where we are if you've been around here. And uh, I have a question for you to consider. The name of this message is a question, and it is this. Is God really there? How many of you have ever asked that question? Yeah, I certainly have. Some of you might be asking it right now based on what you're going through, some of the challenges in your life. And what does it really mean to actually say God is there? So I have a a little question that might get you started in thinking. I'm curious um, if you could, like in your mind, think when did you kind of start to believe that God was really a part of the plan? Like, like, how many of you, like me, don't remember like the day you accepted Jesus? I grew up in this, and it was almost like I think I've served him ever since I popped out of the womb. You know what I mean? It's like I've lived for God all that I can remember, so I don't have like that day. How many of you have that kind of a story where you kind of grew up in it? How many of you came to faith just by lifting your hand through some kind of a a crisis that you really had to find hope um, and you found it in God? Good, a lot of you. Um, How many of you just decided to follow the Lord because of the revelation maybe that the Spirit put in your heart and you knew there had to be a God? You know, Uh, yeah, some of you, uh, uh, that engineer brain for some of you. I've heard some great stories this week of people who have come to faith and how they came to faith. And I'm always interested in that because you never know what people start out believing and how that grows in your life and how I've changed in my theology through the years. I've, I've deepened my faith. I still have times when I question. You know, last weekend, we looked at Mark chapter eight when Jesus said, who am I? Who do you say I am? Remember that? And it was Peter who just blurted it out. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And somehow he knew by revelation, by miracles, by faith, that God was really there. So here's the next question. How active is God in your everyday life? Like being really real, how how active is God in your everyday life? If you would say a little bit, wave at me, okay? How many of you would say a lot? Like, I, I tend to kind of, I, I kind of believe that God is with me every moment of every day, but I, I don't always recognize that. I, I believe he is, because that's how I grew up, believing he's with me constantly, all the time. But we're gonna see in Mark 9 that Jesus reveals to Peter, James, and John at a very 
amazing level that they should never really doubt again as to if he's God or not. It's called the transfiguration. And it's where Jesus kind of let them see his spiritual body. And so that's what we're gonna look at. And the first point in your outline is why this glimpse? Why is Jesus letting them have this little glimpse of him in this particular moment? And it's not the other disciples that are there. It's Peter, James, and John. Six days, Mark 9, verse two. Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up to a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched Jesus, appearance was transformed. And his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. And then Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking with Jesus. Wow, can you say wow? I mean, if that's me and I'm seeing all this, I would be wow. I wouldn't know what to do. It's a big thing that's happening. The Bible uses this Greek word metamorpho, which is the transfiguration or transfigured, and it means to change forms. And Jesus physically had a form change in his body, and they got to see him as God. And then, you know, you throw Moses in there and Elijah in there, and they're having a nice little chat. That sounds pretty fun, doesn't it? Peter, James, and John, what are they doing? I mean, they're just standing there watching this. Probably their eyes were this big around, and they're thinking, what is going on? Why Moses? Why Elijah? There's a lot of conjecture uh, among scholars that say why, why these two people you know, showed up with Jesus. Uh, first of all, you know, both Moses and Elijah had mountaintop experiences. And so maybe that was something that was in the mix. But I think the biggest reason is that Moses represents, in the Old Testament, the law. You know, he, he, he kind of, the Ten Commandments, all the stuff that Moses represents. And Jesus came to fulfill the law. If there's one prophet that represents all the prophets, it's the prophet Elijah. And Jesus came to fulfill the prophecies that he would come. And so it makes sense that Jesus is fulfilling the law, he's fulfilling the prophets, and I don't know what they're talking about, what they're chatting about, but this really did happen. So I have to ask the question, does God want you to see him? Like, do you think God wants you to notice if, if he's in your day or not? Do you think he wants you to say, hi, Lord, how you doing this morning? <laughs> do, do you talk to him? Uh, other than just some formal prayer. Like how vocal are you with God? I'm vocal with God. I think my prayers most of the time, but I will find myself kind of mouthing the words as I pray, even if I'm praying silently, because I focus better if I'm actually saying it. But here's the mystery for me is when you're really fully God, you really don't have to prove yourself. To anybody. If you walked up to me tonight, and by the way, if you're new, I'd love to meet you back at guest services when we're done. If you're, if you're new here or in Windsor, if you came up to me and said, I don't really believe you're Derry Northrop, I would probably say, okay, 
Okay. You, you don't have to believe it. Do you know what I mean by that? So when you're God and someone says, well, I don't really believe in God, God doesn't jump up and go, what? Are you crazy? I'm here. Hello? Because he's God. He knows he exists. He knows he's the creator of all things. Think about that. But Jesus takes the time to take these guys on a little journey with him and lets them have a glimpse. Just a glimpse. And boy, their faith is challenged. God doesn't need to prove himself, but he does over and over and over again. He listens to my voice. He listens to my prayers. He knows my needs. He comforts me. And these are real things that I've experienced personally in my life. And I know you would have your stories as well. When God shows up and gives you a glimpse of his glory. The second thing in your outline is, it's kind of a funny part of the story. And I love this about Peter. He's just, he's just, he's something else, this guy. It's humility creates a need to do something. And I, I think I would also add the word gratitude. I think humility and gratitude are probably the two things that are showing up in this story right now. So look at what happens. Um, Peter exclaimed, um, Rabbi, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's build three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. <laughs> look at verse six. He said this because he really didn't know what else to say. They were terrified. <laughs> So how many of you talk when you're nervous? You know, it, it, so you see this funny story where, where Peter, they see all this and, and they, they, I wanna get closer to you. They see all of this and all of a sudden Peter just can't be, be still. And, and he's antsy. I mean, you know, Peter's personality, he's always the one talking. He's always the one that jumps to conclusions. He's always saying something out and he just, blurts out after this moment, this glimpse of God, he just sort of blurts it out like, um, let's, let's, let's build a tabernacle, let's build a, a memorial, let's build a shelter, let's, let's do something. I think it's because of his deep gratitude and Peter can't stay still. I would rather have someone like that on my team. How many of you have ever ridden a horse? A lot of you have. Um, my, my rule when, when we used to have horses, and we, we didn't have, we had a couple horses uh, a lot of years, and anytime I was gonna look for a horse, I wanted a horse that wanted to go and that I didn't have to kick. I don't like kicking anything, right? And it just seems so mean to be on a horse that you kick all the time. And so I always looked for a horse that you just lean in the saddle just a little bit and boy, they go. And if anything, you have to slow them back. I like that personality about Peter. He was always on the move. He was ready to go. Peter is trying to be appreciative, isn't he? He's trying to show the Lord that he's being respectful and he's willing to physically engage. In other words, I will do the manual work to build a shelter right here in order for us to remember this moment because this is a special moment and we're never gonna forget it. I wanna just throw out for your consideration today. 
are you willing to build a few memorials that have the memory of the glimpse that you've had of God, or do we forget? You know, being grateful, Bonnie and I talk about this a lot. Being grateful, I mean, I just never wanna take anything that I have for granted. And if it means thinking about building a shelter, I just always wanna be saying to God, I really appreciate this. I don't like everything in my life. I don't like everything I've gone through in my life. That's for sure. And there are, there are some times in your life where you wish you could bypass that or you wish you could do that over or you wish you hadn't gotten that sick or whatever. But just to live appreciating this glimpse that God gives us of his salvation, his grace, his mercy, it's a big deal. And I want to always be grateful and humbled by the fact that God even knows my name. The fact that he knocked on my heart as a kid and said, come follow me. The fact that at 16 years old at a youth camp, I felt him so powerfully on my life to say, I want you to be a pastor. I never looked back from that. How did that happen? What made me think that way? Was I just making that up? No, I wasn't. I believe God talks to us. I believe God has those surges that come into our lives for a reason. So when God reveals himself, it is not to cause us to do something to show that we are grateful. Jesus didn't say, all right, what are you guys gonna do since I let you in on this? Now here's an important lesson. Peter felt like he should do something. I get that. That's a human trap. How many of you have ever felt like you needed to have someone over for dinner because they had you over for dinner? Oh my goodness, they can't ask us again over for dinner because we went to their house last time or they paid last time. We need to pay this time. What's, what is that? Well, it's nice that you are grateful enough that you would consider that, but it's not required. It's not required. In other words, you can't do something to make Jesus go, oh, okay, they, they must really appreciate this. It's, it's that little bit of faith that you have that just reaches out and gets a hold of this God who knocks on your heart. And it's that, it's that little measure of faith that causes you to accept forgiveness in your life. Now, should we do something? Well, in a sense, we've been given gifts by God. Some of you should be on the media team or you're gonna go to hell. I'm just kidding, just kidding. We are called to live lives that are filled with actions that obey God, so of course it's gonna affect my lifestyle. But the bottom line is Jesus never did any of this so that we could find a way to pay him back. And some, some people just live under this torment of guilt and shame, and, but I just don't deserve it. No, you don't. I don't. I never will. There's nothing I can do to pay God back for what he has done for me. I need to just rest in him. I need to just enjoy forgiveness. Enjoy it. Breathe it in. Take a deep breath and say, I don't have to pay for any of my sins. Wow. That is great news. Amen? That is great news. I'll never deserve what I've been given. But I can rest in the fact that God loved me first and he did everything in his power 
for me to find that faith to say, I trust you. I believe in you. I give you my life. The third thing I've called the art of listening. The art of listening. Now, there's this voice that happens in this story, and it's a very powerful moment. Um, a cloud, verse 7, says that it was overshadowing them, and then this voice from this cloud. So somewhere up in the sky, uh, from this cloud comes this voice from God. And the voice says, this is my dearly loved son. Listen to him. When Jesus was baptized, do you remember a similar thing that happened? The voice out of heaven, what did it say? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Remember that? Jesus hadn't done any ministry yet. So the relationship we have with God isn't about doing something so, so we'll, we'll get in to the good graces of God. But now there's a command. And God is saying, yes, this is my son. Don't ever doubt that. Listen to him. And suddenly, they looked around. Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus with them. So why would God go through all of this stuff? They go up to the mountain. Jesus takes him. Elijah, Moses are there. And all of a sudden, this big, booming voice says, this is my son. Listen to him. I think that of all the voices you should be listening to, one of the points I think in this story, why, did, why was Moses gone? Why was Elijah gone? Because it was about listening to Jesus more than Moses or Elijah. And that doesn't seem like a big thing to us, but in the Jewish world back then, Moses was like, and Elijah was like, and anything they said or, or went with was a big deal. And now these three disciples know the words of Jesus are way more important than anyone else's words on this earth. Listen to him. That's a, a command from God. So, so I started asking some questions of myself and uh, reading some stuff about how do I listen? How do I listen to God? So this is going to be kind of for you to consider this week and to think about. And I want to challenge you a little bit as to how you listen to God. So what does that look like in your world? Do you, do you literally have a moment where you stop talking to God and you go, I don't do that. But my listening sometimes is in a posture to say, Lord, are you trying to tell me something about this? I want to be able to hear what it is you're saying. And then I, I look at scripture, the scripture that I've read, that I know. Does this line up with what the Bible says? You know, we use this little phrase for a couple years now, follow the nudge of the Spirit. What does that mean? First of all, it means that I believe, I can't speak for you, but I believe the Spirit nudges us sometimes to care for someone, to show up somewhere, to pray for somebody. There are stories across this church for decades of people who were you know, awakened at two o'clock in the morning with some, something on their heart and found out it was that exact moment that someone needed prayer. You know, all these connections that the Spirit has that are very, very real. It's, 
It's, it's not just a coincidence. God talks to us. But how do I know when he's talking? And how do I know how to, how to take action in following that nudge? I think I've made, I've made nudges up before. Have you? Because I wanted it to be God's will, right? But if there really is such a thing as him talking to me, I want to be able to hear it. I want to be able to listen. And as a church, we talk about being spirit-led. And what does that mean in our decisions? Is it spooky? Is it weird? Is it, is it like I'm stopping and I'm, I'm hearing like a ghost whisper something? What is it? No, I think it's your conscious mind allowing God thoughts to come into your brain and taking action according to the will of God for your life or the need of someone else. I, I had a moment this week when I saw someone standing on a corner and, and we're pretty used to that here and most, most every city these days have that and I just was flooded with compassion for this person. I don't always feel that when I see someone standing. I always say a little prayer like, God, please help them. I don't know their story. But man, this particular man, when I saw him, I just, I didn't know if I was supposed to stop or if I was supposed to do something. And, and he was busy doing something else. But it just, I believe I was called to pray specifically for him in that moment. And I prayed all the rest of, of my journey um, for, that, for that man. And I can still see him. I just saw him a glimpse. But I, I can still see him in my, I don't know why. Do you think that was the spirit or was it just... I'm a sensitive guy and, and you know, I'm, I'm moved when people have need and he definitely had need. Or was that the Spirit really wanting to have intercession for that man? Those are the kinds of, of things that I want you to think about this next week. Uh, why did you talk to this person? Why did you happen to run into them? Was it just a coincidence or was God putting something in front of you to allow you to have purpose and meaning in that, in that meeting? That, those are just things that I would love for you to think about. How many voices do you think you can recognize? Do you know it's hundreds? Like if you Google around on this topic, um, there might be someone you haven't talked to in years and they call you up and, and within just a few seconds that voice is familiar to you. I want that voice of God to be like that for us. I want it to be familiar. I want to get it. I don't want him to have to yell and I want to see that fruit in my life of God talking to me. Number four, we can't always stay on the mountain. Now this is, this is kind of sad how this ends, but it's, it's very important that we get this point. And I've talked about this before when I've talked about Moses, and I'll refer to him in a second. But let me read it, verse 9. As they went back down the mountain, what a sentence. I'm going to say that again, and I want you to think about all that's happening here. As they went back down the mountain, he told them not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept it to themselves. I bet that was hard for Peter. But they often ask each other, what was meant by, you know, rising from the dead? That, that part really got them. Because they didn't fully understand yet, even though Jesus has told them, I must die and come back from the dead. Remember, we just read that a few weeks ago. They still didn't quite get it. Um, I think it's kind of wonderful that they had this mountaintop experience, but if you've ever had a mountaintop experience, 
it's really hard to leave. And that's the dilemma that we're in in real life. You ever have like the perfect vacation and then the next day you're packing up and you have to go home and you're like, I don't want to go. I mean, I love my reality, but a cruise ship is better. <laughs> we, we took our kids on a, a few cruises because it was about the cheapest vacation you could have back in the day. We haven't been on a cruise in a long time, but, but I still remember how amazing it was to just have food 24-7, have whatever, the sun, the pool. The, it's like I could get used to this, right? And then you have to go back home. And I, I gotta say, I'm very grateful for my reality, my home. But still, when you have a mountaintop and you see Jesus transfigured, these guys, this is, this is what happened to Moses on Sinai. Remember this? The Ten Commandments were written on tablets of stone. How were they written? Do you guys remember? By the finger of God. What was that like? I mean, that's a big deal. And it says, the Bible says, you can read this story. When Moses came down off of the mountain, he, he saw the Israelites, and what had they done? They had built this golden calf to worship, a false god. And he was so angry when he saw that. What did he do? Remember this? He threw the tablets down and broke them. Next time he had to chisel them out. Think about this. He had a mountaintop experience with God, but he couldn't handle the reality of leaving the mountain. And so often in our lives, we wish so much for heaven. We wish so much for perfection. We try to get it in every style of our life and everything we do because we want the mountain experience. We want to stay there. We want to live there. We want to, we want to be in that moment. But listen, God has called us as his kids to be light and to be salt and to live in a world that isn't so beautiful. And it's not easy. But we can't just live our lives inside of a building like this reading scripture to each other praying for each other. These are wonderful times. Don't take it for granted. There are many, many countries where they can't do what we're doing right now. And I appreciate it. But the real work comes when we walk out of here today, when you go back into Windsor, when you go back into Fort Collins, when you go back into Loveland, when you walk through your neighborhood, that's where the work is. And suddenly serve 6-8 and Convoy of Hope and where we volunteer and serve day and all the things that we do our work is being light and being salt. I, uh, I have a lot of mountaintop experiences. Youth camp was one of them. I, I just used to remember as a kid thinking, I wish this camp could last forever. Retreats, times with family or kids or grandkids, moments when I just felt such safety and such relevance, you know, just being, being alive and, and having, having everything provided. But God hasn't asked me to live like that. God has asked me to be part of the provision for others, to have a meaningful message in your life story, to be able to help and serve and give and care. Jesus didn't say, all right, Peter, James, and John, you guys just camp out up here and 
Don't ever forget it. You get to live on the mountain the rest of your life. No, they came back to reality. They came back to doubting Thomas. They came back to the real world and they had trouble, they had challenges. But here's the last point. Does God have a plan? Does God have a plan? And obviously, I think it's a rhetorical question. I, I think the answer is yes, but let me just read this last part. Then they asked him, why do the teachers of religious law insist that Elijah must return before the Messiah comes? Jesus responded, Elijah indeed, coming first to get everything ready, yet why do the scriptures say that the Son of Man, he's talking about himself here, must suffer greatly and be treated with utter contempt. But I tell you, Elijah has already come. Who's he referring to right here? John the Baptist. He, the, the Bible says that John the Baptist had the spirit of Elijah. And so he was the predecessor of Christ. And it's not very clear to the disciples and it confused them a little bit, but that's what Jesus, I think, is talking about here. And they chose to abuse him, just as scriptures predicted. The thing I want to leave you with on this last point is God has a plan even if it's not perfection. You know, when you go through those trials, when you go through the hardships, when stuff happens and you don't know why and you ask the question, God, where are you? God is still with you. God is still there. And I want you to know that. He's not forgotten you or rejected you. And some of you really need to be reminded of this today with what you're facing, what you're going through, or a loved one, I just feel like you need to know God has a plan for your life. Don't give up on that. Trust him even in that. And then there are two kind of homework moments. Practice two things this week at the bottom of, of the outline. Number one is try to see the glimpse. And if you're going through something hard, try to see that moment on the mountain. Every now and then I go back and I, I try to relive those special moments in my life when, when God showed up and I knew he was there and I was, I was excited about serving him. Every now and then I need to go back and visit those. But I wanna see the glimpse of God in my daily life. What am I looking for every day? Because God hasn't gone anywhere. The second one is look for the plan. Look for the plan that God has for your life. Are you willing to say, God, this might be you directing me in this path, maybe it's not just by coincidence that I'm meeting this person today. Maybe there's a real purpose in why I'm going through this. Is it possible that you would go through stuff just so God could put you in proximity to someone else? Wow. It's possible. And if you've said, God, I'll do anything, use my life, spin me, God might say, okay, I will. And then there's purpose in the plan of your life. Could you pray with me? Lord, thank you. It means a lot that you have a plan and we trust you in it. I just thank you for your word, for Mark chapter nine, for this amazing story of you taking these guys to the mountaintop. Thank you for those mountaintop experiences, Lord. But we know the grind you're still there. In the grind, you're still God. In the grind, you're still with us. And so I just pray for my brothers and sisters that they would see you in the grind, in the day-to-day. -day. 
I'm not going to have you come up here today, but I would just like to say for those of you in this room, those of you in Windsor, um, if you would like, I'm just going to pray over you. If you need direction right now, you just need to trust God. You're standing as a kind of affirming that you're believing God is with you and he has a plan in what you're going through right now. That's all you're doing when you stand to your feet. So I'm gonna ask you, if you wanna do that, say, I'm in. I'm gonna believe this is the plan and I'm gonna trust God in this. I wanna pray specifically for you here in our Windsor campus. Would you just stand to your feet if you know I'm talking to you right now? Just stand up. You're not gonna come forward, but I just want you to stand up and we're gonna pray over you. Amen. Thank you. Just gonna pray and then you're gonna sit back down. But anyone else wanna stand? Say, I'm just I'm declaring that God has a plan. Lord, you know the, the detail of what's going on in these stories. You know exactly. And you're in this plan. And we might be confused, we might be frustrated, we might not know where this is going. But I just pray today for those on their feet, especially, that clarity would come and that faith would be very real as they have stood to their feet saying, I proclaim that God has a plan for my life and I'm gonna trust him. We give it to you, Lord, and we thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We hope you encountered the love and power of Jesus in today's service. If you're interested in giving, for joining serving opportunities and much more, visit timberlinechurch.org slash connect. Have a great week. Go be the church and let love live.